0: Hello, and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 67. Today, Brian and I are returning to our series on Ephesians and diving into chapter four. Last week, we looked at the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church, and this week, we're looking at Paul's instructions for the church and how believers as the church should work with one another. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can find us at The Bible Bistro on Instagram and Facebook at The Bible Bistro. You can watch us on YouTube as well at Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. If you are watching us there, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. The Bistro is a labor of love for Brian and I but it does cost money for us to produce. So if you're enjoying the podcast, we have set up a Patreon account, which allows you to contribute financially to the podcast to help with our costs. If you become a monthly contributor, not only will you be helping us continue the podcast, but you can also get yourself some Bible Bistro swag, like a coffee cup or t-shirt. You can find a link to subscribe at the top of our website, thebiblebistro.com, and also in the show notes. We do appreciate your support. If you can't financially support us, you could also support The Bistro by simply sharing the podcast with others. All right, let's jump right into our conversation, looking at Paul's instructions for the church in Ephesians chapter four. Hey, Brian, welcome back to The Bistro. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's been busy, very busy. Yeah. Both of us have
1: been kind of busy with different things. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. And we're, we're approaching when we're recording this. But it'll be shortly after we celebrate right. the birth of our country, 4th of July. Right. So, you know, yeah. I'll be fireworked by the time. I hope everyone <laughs> is recovered from the fireworks. Hope you're not a dog and listening. Yeah, this will
1: be what the release on the 5th, right? Something the like fifth. that. So, yeah. So, we're yes.
0: Do you have some, before we started this podcast, you had some lovely jokes about days. Do you have any jokes about <laughs> July the 5th?
1: No, that is that is the day my youngest son was born. He was born on July 5th. Interesting oh. story. Yeah, we, mm. we were actually at, uh, uh, I was a dean of a week at church camp that began on July 4th, believe it or not, if people remember church camp or been to church camp. But <laughs> yes. uh, j- July 4th, um, with, it started, so we had fireworks. And my oh, wife, wow. my nine-month, wife, uh, pre- nine-month pregnant wife spoke at campfire that night and then about two AM, I get a knock on the door uh, of the cabin from one of uh, the female staff is like, uh, Brian, <laughs> I
0: think we need you. So, Something's happening. <laughs>
1: yeah. So we we made the mad dash. We are another half hour at least further from the hospital
0: than we were supposed to be. So
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well done. Excellent we, planning. Yeah,
1: long story. We were in the yeah, we were in the in the um uh we got in the hospital 15 minutes later <laughs> Andrew was born
0: oh on the
1: fifth of July. So I can remember. And I'm he sure
0: was, she I'm sh- I'm sure your wife appreciated being at a church camp in the middle of July, <laughs> nine months pregnant. pregnant.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They aren't Most church camps are not known for their luxury accommodations. <laughs> no, um, especially this this one was this one was pretty pretty small and pretty rustic. It was, it was, it was a great camp, but uh just very, very rustic, yes. And uh I can remember when our when our son was growing up, we would always tell him on the fourth, "Oh, these are for your birthday." <laughs> show. Everyone's
0: Everyone celebrating yeah. across the country. When
1: he finally figured out that wasn't the case, it was kind of a letdown. I think so. <laughs> nothing, could, nothing could
0: make it anyway. That's how my story started.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So anyway, anyway. yeah. So, so go ahead.
1: Well, I'll just say we're in Ephesians, right? We're in Ephesians four is where we're yes. we're headed now. So, hope uh, and we're coming off you know some of my favorite parts of the book of uh, Ephesians, and yeah. uh, th- these are good parts too. I hope you don't think that only you know. I would never.
0: Yes, oh, it's all good. It's split, all good. So. Yeah. So we came off uh, at the last part of Ephesians yeah. three, kind of Paul's prayer for the church, <laughs> right? And now we're moving into Ephesians 4, which, yeah. again, these breaks are not in the actual letter. Right. You know, we've inserted right. these, but now we're kind of moving into a different sure. section a little bit.
1: Well, and this one does begin, I, I do think there's a change here. Go from that prayer into Paul makes, uh, we could call this a section of exhortation. He he says very strongly, this is what I want you as the church to do. Uh, what, you know, and, and he, he calls on the name of Christ. You know, this is what. You know, I I insist on this in Christ, that these are the things that you're to do. So we get we go from a prayer section into an exhortation. So here we can kind of think of this in terms of commands or uh, these are directions, I think, is the way that I put it in our notes. Uh, Directions for the church is basically what this whole this whole chapter is about. Uh, We're going to deal with the first half of the chapter in this episode. Then I think next episode we're going to we're going to deal with the second half of chapter uh, four. But even this first half, I divide. I would divide up. The, there's a very strong emphasis at the beginning of chapter four on on unity, uh, and that's kind of the first exhortation that Paul makes here. So,
0: yeah, and, and in your Bible, my header has unity and maturity in the body of Christ. Yeah.
1: So. yeah, that's a that's not a bad header. You know, unity is is important. I think it goes along with what we've seen before, though. Uh, and again, I'll just remind you that what we saw in chapter three was this real call that that God is able to enable us as his people or God wants to enable us as his people in order to, to accomplish the, the task or the mission that he has for us. One of the aspects of that is that we are working together in this. Unity is such a crucial element for the, for the church. Very important, I think, uh, for the church. One of the most important uh, aspects of what it means to be in Christ, I think, is this idea of the unity that we have with other believers. And so, so Paul talks about that there. You want to read the, maybe the first uh, just the first couple of verses here and we'll we'll kind of yeah
0: so this is ephesians 4 or just 1 and 2 verses sure. 1 and we'll actually just yeah. read verse 1 we could spend some time <laughs> on verse 1 if you want yeah as a prisoner for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received
1: <laughs> that word then um I, I if i were translating this which obviously i wasn't asked to do but i would move that <laughs> then a little bit closer In the Greek, it's a little bit closer uh, to the front of the sentence, and it's a little bit stronger than just then. This is kind of one of those words that we sometimes translate, therefore. Um, It can be translated, therefore. So here's this idea, therefore, and and so given the sense of all that I have said to this point. So if you think back about the the journey we've been on so far, we could say the first three chapters of the Mm -hmm. book of Ephesians, Paul's kind of laid out this vision of what God is doing in the world, what he's done in Christ and now what he's doing in the church, right? That that the church is continuing this mission and carrying this message of what God has done in Christ. Um, We've had this language of abundance and the power and all these different things. And so I think Paul's saying here at the beginning of this, therefore, in light of all of this, this is what I call you to do, or I I exhort you uh, to do. Urge is the word that's used here. Um, Maybe again, maybe in greek it's a little bit s- stronger than this you know this is this is the thing that i'm i'm asking you to do that i desire for you to do uh, as as a people of god and and the desire the main um, verb here is um let me see i think you're you're you were reading the niv right it says to to live a life yes, worthy right uh-huh. L- literally the word here is to walk it's peripateo in in uh, um, greek peripateo means to walk and so, so walk is used several times. We're going to see it later in, in Ephesians. We've seen it earlier, actually, in Ephesians as well. Walk is a metaphor for this idea of living. And so that's why they, they've used this, they kind of modified that into live a life. So it's, it's walk in a way that is worthy with, with the calling that you have received is kind of the way that we would say this in, in a literal sense, uh, walking, we even use that we we talk about the like a walk of life or you know that we we use that metaphor in a, in a sense still today but it's that it's that idea of a walk um, so
0: anyway yeah, i mean yeah. is there is there is there supposed to be, as a metaphor, more of an action? You think an action, like using yeah, that word that, like that's that?
1: Possible. I, I hadn't thought of that, but when you say that, I mean, if I say just live, <laughs>
0: you know, it's, it's just like I'm here. It's, <laughs> it's life is it's, happening to it's, me.
1: It's more passive. I see what you're saying. So walk is an active. Yeah, it's, and I think there might be there might be something there. The other interesting thing here, and, and and I meant to mention this, is that the I is emphatic. You don't have to have the the. The, the pronoun I here, but Paul inserts it, makes it kind of an emphatic statement. I am the one who's exhorting you. But the interesting thing um, that, that should be noted is Paul is not, pa- Paul then, how does he describe himself here? How would you say he describes himself?
0: Uh, a prisoner for the Lord. Okay,
1: a prisoner for the Lord. So he's not calling on his authority, so to speak. He's not calling himself an apostle. I, an apostle, tell you to do this, therefore you should do it. But instead he calls on himself, on his identity as a prisoner for the Lord. Uh, so I'm exhorting you as a prisoner for the Lord uh, to, to do these things. And I find that interesting. It goes back, if you remember, the very beginning of chapter 3, Paul there talks about himself, identifies himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, so a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Here he's calling himself a prisoner for the Lord. We could say on behalf of the Lord, something to that effect. Why do you think? I ask you this, Ryan. Why do you think he identifies himself in this way? Uh, you know, is he, in what way is he a prisoner of Christ Jesus? Would you say what do you, what do you think is the significance here in of that? verse
0: four or in verse in chapter
1: four? Three? You mean verse one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, I mean, I think it has to do with like that it as a prisoner of the Lord, you know, uh, a prisoner for the the Lord is, is that he has, it's such a part of his life that it is, um, that that's the reason he's in prison. Does that make right. sense? Like,
1: yeah. I mean, you're, you're saying that the, 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 the reason, you know, it, it's, it's, it's what he has done on behalf of the Lord that has got him to the situation where he's in prison. Is that kind yeah. of well, saying? And
0: I think, you know, maybe I'm connecting to the word walk that like, it's this <laughs> yeah. active sense of how I'm living. And because of how right. I'm this living, is, because this is, this is the, the result, r- the resulting.
1: And, and I think there's also, I guess the other thing I'm, uh, and, and especially when he, in, in chapter 3 where he calls himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus. This is his, you know. This is what he has attached himself to, so to speak. Is this work? Is this this calling? And he he. This is this is, of course, calling is very important to Paul. If you think about the book of Acts, and he refers back to this in his own letters. But if you think about the book of Acts, you think about the situation on the Damascus Road, where Paul moving from someone who was an opponent of Christianity, uh, opponent of of Jesus and the church, uh, mm-hmm. we we could say. Um, to moving to someone who was then, you know, believing in Jesus uh, after the Damascus road experience, his, his coming to Christ or his, his, Encounter with Christ, I, I, I suppose we should say, is is very much tied up also in his sense of vocation, and, and I mean, I even even if I use that word vocation, is just the Latin word for calling, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it, it's that idea. It, it is what he is what he is called to do in terms of his his day to day work. His day to day ministry is very much tied up in his identity and coming to Christ is what I'm trying to say, I guess. But but he is a, he's a prisoner for Christ Jesus. So not only for for Jesus here, not only is it for the Lord, not only is it this idea that he's in prison because of what he has done. I think, but he's also kind of captured, if you will, by the Lord. Uh, in, in this sense, um, but here I, I think it's interesting that he calls himself this rather than again identifying by some authoritative title or something along those lines. He calls himself a prisoner because what he's really going to call us to is and, and what it means to live in a worthy way to give kind of give away what we're going to talk about is to live a life of humility, to to live a life of service. Um, that that's what we are called to, and, and so that's why I think he uses this idea of of, of a prisoner. Uh, to begin with, so you can go ahead and read verse two, then.
0: Yeah, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Yeah.
1: Oh, I meant. Uh, let me say one more thing before I leave. First. Oh, of all, come on! I know. I always forget. So the NIV says the calling you have received, but literally this is the calling to which you've been called, which in English is you know it's it's redundant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but in in. Uh, a language like Hebrew for example, this is written in Greek but but you know I think Paul sometimes thinks in Hebraicisms we call it uh, a, a calling to which you are called would make that emphatic you know a very strong sense of calling, very strong sense of purpose we would say okay now <laughs> now in verse two we have three um, different um, phrases that are kind of dependent on this idea of, of walking or living in the way that we're called to live what does it mean to live worthy? Uh, uh, live a life worthy or to, to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling we've received. I think here he uses three modifying verbs, modifying phrases in order to say what that is. So what is a worthy way to live? First one is be completely humble and gentle. So that's the first, the first aspect of what it means to live, uh, to, to live out our calling in a, in a genuine way we could say, or in a worthy way is be completely humble and gentle. Humble is, is an important word in in Christianity and the new Testament opposite of pride. I would say this idea of humility, again, when you think of um, Paul calling himself a prisoner is not from a position of power or authority, but it's actually from a position of, of um, uh, you know, prison that he's making this exhortation. Same thing we see with Jesus, obviously in his example uh, where he could have, Um, grasped a hold of or used for his own advantage, according to Philippians chapter two, he could have used to his own advantage um, this, um, um, you know, his own uh, authority or his own power. Instead, uh, what we have is that it is in his humility and his weakness that he's able to accomplish the things um, that he does that God has called him to. So we are called to be completely humble and gentle. And then the second word here is the idea of being patient, Um, and, and, uh, you know, when we think about living a a life worthy of our calling, it's not something that's going to happen quickly. It's not, you know, it's not looking for immediate effects or immediate uh, kind of thing. Uh, Christianity is a very patient living a life worthy is a very patient occupation it is it is waiting no matter how long it takes in order to 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 do those things and yeah so
0: so so are you saying the patient what is it being patient on you're saying like us being molded or is it patient yeah. with the
1: world or what uh, Mm-hmm. I think, well, he, he's going to talk about forbearance in just a minute, so bearing with one another is, is, the, mm-hmm. is the idea, and that would be more that idea. But I, I think the patience here is the idea that we're not in a hurry to uh, to see the results come, I suppose, to, to say that we're getting to our goal. I, I know I've referenced this before, but one of my favorite uh, books by Eugene Peterson um, well, it's a very—I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but it's one I probably well it was the first one I ever read by Eugene Peterson, all the way back in college. Uh, is called, uh, and it's talking about discipleship. It's discipleship in an instant world is the is the subtitle, but the title is um, a, "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction." Um, it, it's this idea that Christianity, patience in Christianity, I think, are in our in our walk is that we're not trying to do things so quickly that we kind of burn out, if you will, or um, our flash in the pan is one of the phrases we use. This would be, if you think about the parable of the soils, when Jesus talked about the the seed that Mm -hmm. fell on four kinds of soil, uh, he talks about the one that had shallow roots, right? And it grew up quickly. But when the troubles of this life came, then it, it, it dried up withered away. Yeah. Instead it's kind of putting down deeper roots, I think. And, and,
0: so, do you see this as you know? We've talked so much about the church, like it's been mm-hmm. this message to the church. Do you yeah. see this part moving more into like the individual member, members of the church, or is this do you still see this as like a kind of a collective community? I think it's
1: collective. I mean, it's it, it's a sense in which we are all called to this, but but there are, I, I suppose, I would say there are individual. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? There are individual. Uh, responsibilities here, I suppose, in, in in doing this. I'm just looking. I didn't look before. I should have done that before I uh, I started today. But I'm trying to remember if this is. I think this is still first per, or second person plural. I think this is still all y'all is to is is who he's talking to. I know I always do that.
0: We'll but. never get away from all y'all.
1: That's yeah, all right, sorry, yeah. but no, it's all right. Um, but I think I think this is still. Uh, I urge uh, all of you. Uh, so to speak. Let me see if I can find this just real quick on my uh, on my phone. It's a little harder. Cause it's a little harder for me to see because I'm old. But uh, the patience, I think, has to do with with not what's the word I'm looking for. Not um, you know expecting things to happen too quickly or or you know in our time frame. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching it, it, you know, it's interesting. And when I'm preaching on Isaiah right now, and and there's a couple, I was going to say something later about Isaiah, but I'll say this now, you know, Isaiah is talking about stuff before the God's people have been, before the nation's been destroyed, before Judah has been destroyed. He's already talking about when they return. Right. And and we're talking about uh, 70, hundred years in the future when these things are going to happen and, and, when we think in terms of our time frame, of course we mm-hmm. you know, we we have a life and but we have a time frame. And I know I'm guilty of this: is I want things to happen instantly. You know, this is what I expect. I expect. Well, I mean, holy cow, next day delivery, right? If something takes two days to get to our house, we're like, oh,
0: forget it. I'm not it. Right?
1: Even buying it. <laughs> right. And 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 our, I think what Paul is saying is we are living in a worthy way we can't we can't have that kind of attitude about about our own discipleship about our own you know transformation it takes it takes time I guess what I'm saying then the third one is that idea of bearing with one another in love and, and so bearing with one another the word sometimes is used forbearance it, it, it's the idea of patience toward another person I suppose yeah it's plural I just looked it, it's I urge all y'all um, it's uh th- this idea of bearing with one another is um, is the idea of having forgiveness and patience with, with one another. In other words, not getting quickly exasperated, not giving up on one another, that kind of thing, which I, I think is huge in, in the church uh, today. We, we have a tendency to really— um, you know we're we're done with people pretty quickly and well and i don't
0: I, I, yeah and and unfortunately, i don't think that's just a church problem i mean i agree with you point. <laughs> right everybody's quick like yeah, you said that 9 years ago i'm get out of here <laughs>
1: right right well you know what well, we talk about cancel culture today right and and, right. and that idea of if you know we're if all
0: growing we're all growing up
1: well and that's the thing i think i think so it, you know what's the golden rule right we we think about we should have the same willingness to have grace and forgiveness toward another person that we would expect in our own struggles uh, it's, it's remembering that we are all in need of this uh, of this um, you know grace for with one another I think so that's so living a life worthy is I think what he's saying is looks like this it's gentle it's humble it's 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 forgiving it is patient so so again it's not this. I don't, and I don't and, know. Yeah.
0: And this isn't, would you think, Paul is not just saying this to, I mean, we need to live this way to the outside world, but it specifically is this message you think it's to the church?
1: Well, he says it with one another here, which which I would take to be... Um, primarily talking about within the community, Okay. but, uh, but, you know, obviously Paul is concerned with the way that we live toward outsiders as well, you know, toward those who are, who are not believers and outside of the church also. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. I just want to, you know, just clarification, just to make yeah. sure that no I'm problem. understanding that correctly about how, you know, because there's, there's a lot happening here and all right. of y'all's and so forth about what, <laughs> what, what Paul's trying to sure. say and who he's saying it to.
1: So verse three in, in English, often is translated as another, our word, the fancy word is imperative, but what it means, you know, it's a command word. Imperative is the, is the mood that we use in, in, in language in order to convey a command. The, you know, this, mm-hmm. In English, the way that we do it is we leave off the subject. Um, so when you make something into a command, you, you leave off, you know, if you're telling your son, clean your room. There's no subject there. That's that's how we, in English, make it imperative. So this idea of make every effort. But this is this is uh, technically a participle. So um, we could take it kind of while making every effort to keep uh, our unity of the spirit, or the, keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You, you, you see what I'm saying? In mm-hmm. other words, this is something that is kind of a co—I would see this as a co— um, you know, while we're we're li- we're walking. I think this does go back up to verse one, by the way. While mm-hmm. we're we're living this life worthy of the calling which we have received, we are also making every effort to keep the unity of of uh, the spirit through the bond of peace. Um, interesting, as we've talked before about the spirit. We have a whole episode on the spirit, but uh, we talked about and, and I said there. I think with corporately, the most important. Thing that the spirit does for us, or it's always hard to say the most important thing, but but a a crucial um way that the spirit interacts with the body of believers is by unifying us. And I I, and and, you know, I used an example there of the fact that we all have the spirit indwelling us, the same spirit, yeah, right, the same spirit which which pulls us and binds us together. And so, here he calls us notice the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, and of course, peace. Uh, As I've said before, is is not something that is the opposite of antagonism or whatever. But peace is really having that kind of life that God that that shalom life that God desires for us. And uh, and so not being in conflict um, you know, it's the real thing, not, not the conflict as we'll say more about in, in just a minute. So this idea that he moves to unity. So making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Uh, I, I said, when we had that idea of the prayer for the church, that, that if we could grasp hold of this, I think that the church could be very effective, even more effective in, in doing what God has called us to do. And I think unity is another thing that we sometimes don't attach enough importance to. I, I mean, I'll just be frank, um, uh we really i you know, I believe very strongly in in unity and I think in some ways we've almost given up i mean i mean it's there you know especially we were talking about this a little bit before right that there's deep divisions in our in our present situation in our country oh, yeah. you know, deep divisions and um and but unity the unity of the body of believers and again if you think if we could all work together in order to build the kingdom of God and to accomplish it, Accomplish what he's called us to. How much more could we get done, right? And and that to me, you know, we're part of the of the restoration movement, as we mentioned before. And that to me is one of the great um, calls of the restoration movement is this idea of unity. Right now, right. we would say unity on the basis of the teachings, you know, the biblical teachings. That's that w- unity on the basis of what the Bible teaches. Um, you know, that's what we were really striving for. Uh, but I think sometimes we don't emphasize enough that unity. You know, e- either one of those out of balance, I think, right, is is where yeah. where we get into trouble. Um, but I think this idea of unity is is crucial. And then in verse four, we have this whole series of ones. Verses 4 and 5. I'm going to let you read that, and then I'll come back and, and kind of pull them apart a little bit. But look yeah. at verses 4 and 5.
0: There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God. Oh, sorry, this is verse 6. One God and Father. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, of all, who is over all and through all and in all.
1: So we have this series of ones here. One body. Uh, So we are, when you think about the body, Paul uses this this metaphor elsewhere. uh, For for 1 Corinthians 12, for example, is a famous place where he uses the illustration regarding the body. Uh, He he talks about we are all members of one body and this kind of thing. He introduces that idea again, one body. Uh, Back in chapter 2 of Ephesians 2, you might remember there, he talks about the two tearing down the dividing wall of hostility. They're primarily between the Jew and the Gentile and making them one Person, one body, if you will, mm-hmm. and and then it says one spirit. And again, I think the spirit is very um, is very involved in the unity of believers. And so he mentions the spirit first, and then he talks about being called to one hope just referring back to the idea of the the living a life worthy that we, to which we have been called the calling to which we've been called here. It says that we were called to one hope. In, in other words, we all have the same uh, hope is the idea of a future. Uh, I, you know, the, 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 if you want me to define hope, I would say a confident expectation. So hope has a future orientation. I mentioned goal earlier. And so it's that kind of an idea. We are all working toward the same hope, that we all have the same hope is, is, is the idea of what, what unifies us. And then he says, one Lord. Now, when Paul uses the word Lord, typically he's talking about Jesus. Uh, we'll say more about this a little bit later, but his favorite title for Jesus is Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've had the Spirit here, and then we have the Lord, uh, and then you know Jesus, I think, one faith. Uh, and, and here we can either think about, Paul uses this in two different ways, um, without the article like we have here usually it's talking about the idea of of our trust in what what God has done uh, in other words our belief um, uh, faith and, and belief same is the same root in Greek is, is the okay. idea there uh, the when he talks about the faith often he's talking about the content of doctrine um, but here I okay. think I you, you get what I'm saying is you're right uh, But here I think, and he's going to talk about doctrine in just a minute, don't worry, it's not that he's unconcerned, but here I think he's talking about this idea of belief. And then one, baptism. So baptism was understood to be um, the practice of initiation into the Christian faith. Into, yeah. I use the word faith in a way different. I just said, but, but uh, (laughs) it was the means of initiation into becoming a follower of Christ. That that was seen Mm -hmm. as what you did uh, when when you pledged your life to Jesus. You then uh, were baptized uh, as an aspect of that of that initiation uh, of your, uh, of your following Jesus. It was just part of it. Uh, you can see that throughout the book of Acts. You can see that in the commands of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, for example, you see it in Paul. I mean, <laughs> it's very clear in Paul for Paul. There's a couple of different things that he calls baptism that really make me understand it. And we probably need to have a whole episode on baptism sometime. I've had a couple people ask about that, but, um, he calls it circumcision at one point, which again mm. for, for a Jewish person, circumcision was considered, you know, if you, if you were an uncircumcised
0: it, it's how you're identified.
1: Exactly. And it, yeah, it's a sign of of your covenant uh promise with God, your your you know, your rightness with God. Um and, and so that that's one way he describes it. And he describes it in uh in, in Romans chapter six in very strong terms about being baptism is when we are united with Christ. So, so there's all kinds of really strong language he uses here. But here he's saying that this is something we have all in common. Um, and I say this, and I've said this several different times throughout you know, years now, I would say it. And, and I don't know that people always get exactly what I'm saying, but I'll, I'll try again. I'll just go but, for it. <laughs> but Paul could not understand a, a, an unbaptized follower of Jesus. I, I don't think that was a concept that would even compute for him. Uh, And so he says here, he's saying baptism is something that unites us, right? It it, Mm -hmm. it is something that we all have in common. He's pointing to something uh, we all have in common. If you want another... Another passage where it's very interesting in 1 Corinthians 10, I always say he baptizes the entire Israel, you know, the entire uh, Jewish nation in, in, in the Israelites. Um, there he says they were baptized in the Red Sea, <laughs> you know, when they went down into the waters of the Red Sea and came out the other side. Of course, they were on dry ground, but mm-hmm. uh, but he, he, used, he does that in order to show that we are common in our community. In other words, for him, it's a sign that, that we have been baptized, is a sign of our unity
0: he it, it, he wouldn't have been like for him to say all oh, y'all it's with the with the idea that if you're part of the all you're baptized
1: you're, you're baptized it's, it, that that's kind of what i'm trying to get across he's able to use it as a sign of our unity yeah and then finally he says one god and father so uh, before i go on to the rest of the description here uh, in chap in verse 6 chapter 4 uh, notice that there's the Spirit, one Spirit, one Lord, and one Father. So, so this is a, another Trinitarian statement here. It took me a long time to figure that out, but it, it's fascinating. And I think the reason that Paul includes all three persons of the Trinity as something that brings as as those who bring unity to us, I should say something, but, uh, those persons who bring unity to us is that the Trinity itself, as we mentioned before, is a sign of that kind of unity. You know, that's the entity part, as I always say, of Trinity, right? Is, is that it's, 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 they are united in being right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so anyway, that, that, uh, that idea of, I think it's really cool that you notice their Spirit Lord and, and Father, but then he goes mm-hmm. on and says one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, which is again the same kind of language that he used back in chapter into chapter two. That that the Father is is in all and over all and through all. This is talking about his sovereignty. This is talking about his uh, we could say omnipresence. You know, it, it's this this idea of of God's. Uh, grandeur, his his greatness, uh, and and so this is what brings us together. All these things are are those things which bring us together. Is the way that I would say of what we have to this point. Questions on that, or anything
0: else you want to?
1: No, I mean, it's just add?
0: there's there's a lot to chew through. On, yeah. You know, on that when you're getting into this, and I like the Trinitarian idea that, yeah. it, that yeah. that's binding us all together. You know, I think it's you know we talked about this is like it's hard in our churches, and I think it's sometimes. You know, figuring out what does that unity look like yeah. Yeah. Is, is the is the hard thing because it's I, I've seen unity or the concept of unity misused. You know, to, sure. to, to quash dissent exactly, or right. to, to, to quash questions, or not right. that um, you're trying to destroy things, but it's uh, yeah. you know. I, th- think, I think this is yeah. this is hard to to live out to and live I think, out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. think you know as we look in other letters to Paul. It was hard for them too, you know, I, where they had problems yes. inside, and he's writing letters saying, "Like, hey, you got to deal with <laughs> you got to deal God. with this." Yeah,
1: I, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think I think you're exactly right. But but here's what I say: I don't want to give up on this idea of unity, and I think focusing upon what he says here is the foundation of our unity is what's so crucial. Um, we we are not always going to agree a hundred percent. But when I disagree with someone, it does not mean I hate them. <laughs> and, and I think we're in an age and in a, and, and a mm-hmm. time where, and I even saw a cartoon about this this past week on, online that I thought was was very apt. But we live in a time that to say I, I don't agree with that is almost to say, well, I, I'm rejecting you. And, and and I don't think that's the case at all. Um, you know, Paul talks about this idea of love, but he's also very clear. About the things that that can't be, you know, and we're going to talk about this particularly next in the next episode. Uh, that you know, what he says is we don't use this term "walk" again. We don't walk like Gentiles anymore. We 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 don't um, we don't behave in those kind of ways that we used to uh, because they were futile. Uh, they were useless and uh, empty. And, and so, so this is uh, this is what I think, you know, so Paul, I, you know he's he's very much about love. He's very much about uh, unity, but it's the unity on the basis of truth. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's that's you know what he would say. he He's very concerned for true doctrine as well. Uh, and so I think that's it that's that balance I'm talking about and making sure if we here's here's the thing. if I reject someone out of hand, it's very difficult for me to ever have a discussion with that person, though. It's very difficult for me mm-hmm. uh, to be able to persuade or, or to be persuaded uh, unless we have genuine uh, conversation. I think that's where it's very important. So
0: Yeah, and, and I, you know, uh, just you pointed out that it can't be, you know, you've got to be united around th- this belief. Like, cer- there are certain things right. that that will divide at some point. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if, if there's not a... If you're not enjoined on this, yep. like, you know, I would say Paul says at some point, like, hey, you got to, there is got to be a separation here if you're not enjoined on some of these things.
1: Yeah, he says very specifically, yeah, it's not, here's maybe the way to say it, it's not unity for unity's own sake. It's mm-hmm. it's not simply being united for the sake of unity.
0: That we're but all in the same place.
1: It's being united on, on the same foundation or, or because of the same thing. Uh, you know, and and there's lots of metaphors he uses. Uh, again, First Corinthians he uses, and he, he uses this earlier in in Ephesians. We also see it in First Peter, but you know, not Paul using it, but Peter there. Um, the the image of a building that we are being built together into this building. Um, and there's this image of a field that we are, we are, you know, part of this field that have been planted together. Right. Um, so, so there's lots of ways that, that we, lots of metaphors that we could use to describe this, but, but I think it's something we need to strive for. It's not something that just happens uh, naturally. I, I guess I should have said that in verse three again, making every effort, you know, like you said earlier, it's not a passive thing. It's, it's something that requires, effort and work on our behalf in order to, in order for it to happen. So cool. Yeah. So this next section then is talking about what I've titled is kind of being equipped for service. Um, and, and it begins with a, but a contrast here. Now that doesn't mean this is the opposite, but it is here. I think Paul is recognizing two sides of the same coin. Um, and And so we are unified, but we each have been given gifts is is what I think he's he's talking about here. And he uses this image of grace and gift that we've talked about before, which are very closely related words in in Greek. Um, and, and so he uses this play again. He pulls in an Old Testament quotation from psalm sixty eight. Uh, and then um, uh, makes an interesting point that we've got to think about a little bit because it's kind of a strange aside. In fact, in the NIV, it puts it in parentheses here. It's it like, is in parentheses, it's like they're going. Eh, I don't know how this fits, but I, I hopefully I will show us how this fits in. With, I don't think Paul was just randomly, you know. I don't think just this saying was, words like yeah, you know, this wasn't just Paul having a you know ADD moment, ADHD moment, or whatever. But he he. Uh, he he is i think making a point that that connects with all of this this idea of living this li- living this wife life worthy um having the sense of unity and also the way that we are called to to use what we have been given on behalf of one another so go ahead and read verses um uh 8 and 9 i think is what i oh se- 7 8 seven, 8 and 9, eight and nine. Yeah.
0: okay uh but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it this is what it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And this is where the parentheses start in the NIV. <laughs> what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Okay. Uh, and I guess we should go ahead, go ahead and ahead to, because that's the end of the parentheses. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Okay.
1: So, Verse 7 begins with this idea, to each one of us. And, and notice the change in in um, um, pronouns here from you to us. You know, this has mm-hmm. been given to each of us. So Paul includes himself. He, again, he remember, he had a calling. He used himself as an illustration earlier uh, in this letter, beginning in chapter 3. He used himself and his own ministry as an illustration for the way that God is working through him and also wants to work through us. So here he it's, says— and, he,
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. Is this moving from an all y'all to maybe an individual piece here at this point? No, I think
1: it's us collectively. It's still collective. Okay, still Uh, collective. Okay. but, But you get what I'm saying? It's not saying this is what I want you guys to do. But this is true of all of us, is what he's saying now. I think is the is the difference. Um, You know, there it's I and you, and and here it is us. But but he says to each of us, and and and, you know, each is very important here. Uh, Each of us, grace has been given. So even as Christ apportioned it, in in in, um, Corinthians he talks about the Spirit has distributed to each of us gifts. And I think it's a similar kind of language here. It's not exactly the same idea, but here he's saying each of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned. So each of us have have been given, given, again, a gift word, this idea of grace. And then you said, this is what it says, but it says, this is why he says. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it, that's fine. In Psalm, and this this is kind of an interesting, It's a I would call this a paraphrase of Psalm 68. If you go back and look at Psalm 68, I think it's verse 18. It mm-hmm. doesn't say this, but if you look at the entire, <laughs> if you look at the entire Psalm, this is the idea, I think. That is he pulling a Eugene Peterson here? Do you want to paraphrase? <laughs> it's a little paraphrasy. Uh <laughs> and, and now now Paul usually uses the Septuagint. Well, do you want do you have your Bible there quick quick? I do. Go go to Psalm 68. And I'm trying to remember the pat, the exact verses. Is it 18? Am I remembering that is. correctly? Okay. Uh so look at Psalm 68, 18 and read that, and you'll see that it's a little bit different th- than what we have in
0: Okay, right, here we go. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. So
1: notice here, the gifts are given by all kinds of people to God, right? And the the point Paul's making is that God gives all kinds of gifts to people. Uh, and, and again, so it's a little bit of it's a
0: switch, a little, switch, little
1: different a little little different. Little different than what was, yeah, okay. but, but if you look at Psalm 68 as a whole, I think this is the idea that, that gets out and there's, I don't get into all the, I can say more about this, that, that would just bore people, but there, there are, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this much. There are some rabbinic commentaries that do what the same thing that paul does here and paul is clearly familiar with the same kind of argumentation and that's what he does so so saying that that God also gives gifts to all people is kind of the 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 emphasis here so okay so he's given us grace when he ascended on high he took many captives and gave gifts to his people so you know talked about there about rebellious people and they gave gifts and this kind of thing. But mm. but here it is it, this idea that he's giving these gifts. And and for Paul, I think the main thing he's talking about is this idea of ascending. Because he goes on, and he says, "How does he? What does he descended mean? Except that he also descended." Now, this word "descended" or this idea "descended" can be understood in two different ways. Here, there are people who who make an argument. Well, at least two different ways. I'm sure there are probably others, but the two main arguments here is: Are we talking about when Christ descended? Uh, to become a human being, in, in other words, humbled himself and, and took on flesh and descended, let's say, from the heavenlies, as Paul would say in Ephesians, uh, to to the earthly regions. You know, is that is that what we're talking about? The other one is this strange, <laughs> strange to me anyway, doctrine that you sometimes see. It's based on a passage out of Second uh, Peter. That we call the Harrowing of Hell, that at his death and burial Jesus then descended into into the into Hades, into the grave, and we we probably should talk about that another another time. I don't understand it that way. Many people do, and some some of the theologians I respect the most. Uh, make a big deal out of the harrowing of hell. And so he could be talking about descending into the grave, right? So mm-hmm. does he ascend? It means he, he descended to the grave. I take it here, and I'm going to try to explain why this makes sense. Uh, I take this to mean he he descended to, to Earth. In other words, uh, so so it goes back to I've been kind of paraphrasing Philippians 2 kind of the, this whole time, but this idea that that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking on the form of a servant, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the idea. He was he was you know in the heavenlies, right but he humbled himself and and became a human being on our behalf. okay He did that for us. Right. Um, and and if he had not we we'd be in trouble this would be a different kind of podcast probably but um <laughs> you know so we're glad probably, he, probably we're glad he did and that's the grace that's being talked about right here he gave grace right he and, and so he he ascend he, he descended uh, is the idea and and he who descended is the very one who then ascended to the highest heavens so here's how i think and remember paul starts this whole section by saying i'm a prisoner for the lord and i'm Exhorting you to live a life worthy of this calling. So I think what he's talking about here is, and the reason I don't think it's necessarily parenthetical is, I think he's about talking about Christ's willingness to humble Himself uh, to become a servant, uh, as Jesus said in His words, "I did not come, the Son of Man did not come to to, to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many." Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it's talking about Jesus' willingness to humble Himself on our behalf in order for the purpose of salvation let's say in order to bring uh, salvation yes, to the people exactly paul's an example of this as well uh he he was willing and and he he mentions this frequently i'm willing to undergo hardship look at all that i've gone through in order to be a, a faithful servant of the gospel and now he's exhorting us to use the gifts that God has given us through Christ, through Christ's willingness to humble himself, to use the gifts that have been given to us on behalf of others as well, okay? Now, that connects to unity also, and in fact, this idea of the gifting that we've been given, I I think, is a uh, strong—gifts are not an individual thing, right? Gifts Mm -hmm. are given— For the this is I'm quoting here First Corinthians for the common good right they they are given for the good of the entire community so when you are gifted by God to do something uh, through the Spirit I would say the power that's why we call them spiritual gifts right through the power Mm -hmm. of the Spirit you're given the ability to do something in exceptional way when you use that on behalf of the entire community that's another way that we're bound together Uh, what what I'll say sometimes is that God does not equip We're Avengers, not supermen, right? Um, God gifts us each with different kinds of gifts that we can, when we use them together, uh, when we unite, right? Right. Um, against a common enemy, <laughs> or for a common purpose. More, more in this way, um, then God is able to use those things in, in order to draw us together. Uh, and also then to 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 continue his work and to further his his kingdom so so that's how I think this fits in with the entire context. does that does that make sense to you?
0: Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I, I think that that does make sense to to think about it this way. Uh, tying that together between what Paul was saying and then what yes. what we reheared and the ascended and descended is it's about this humbling of themselves exactly. and still capacity to serve and willingness to serve right
1: now i'm not i'm going to go through this next part relatively quickly but it's pretty hard it's pretty important not part okay. it's pretty important what i need what what we need to because there's different ways that this is understood so so what it says here i'll, I'll go ahead and read this verse 11 it says so christ himself gave apostles the prophets evangelists pastors and teachers um now I, I kind of paraphrase it. Let me go back and read it the way the 2011 NIV has. So Christ himself gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Only reason I mention that, the teachers doesn't have a – Uh, An article in in Greek, but, um, and and he gave them to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We'll come back and we'll, we'll pick up on that last part again. But these, these groups here that are mentioned, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some people think pastors and teachers is one person, you know, in other words, one role uh, Mm -hmm. and others see this as pastors and teachers, um, and, and we, we can talk about that a little bit if you want. But but the main thing I, I think is important here is there's two ways to understand this. Again, I'm simplifying, but there's more than two ways. But but uh-huh. you can understand this chronologically. In other words, the way that Paul's laying out these different roles can have to do – it can do with the way that we see the church uh, coming into being. In, in other words, the functions are um, – through time chronological in that sense, right? Uh, First, he gave apostles is the way we could think about that. And Mm -hmm. then he gave um, uh, evangelists or I'm sorry, prophets, then evangelists and pastors and teachers. When we think about the new Testament prophets here, particularly there are others. And there's some who've written lots of books about this (laughs) that see Mm -hmm. all these roles as a necessary function of the church. Um, Uh, There's a guy. There's a couple of Australian missiologists that've written a lot of books, um, and they make a big deal about every church needs to have these five roles, five functions. Now, I understand apostle as being a limited role, and that's that's part of the reason that that I take it the way that I do. I'm sure, kind of a
0: divinely appointed role
1: for for a period of time, right? And and then uh, there are the prophets. In other words, there are those, for example, and we read about in Acts 16, Agabus prophesies, you know, he ties up Paul, I don't know if you remember that, and prophesies this is what's going to happen, and 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 so there are the New Testament prophets, they're the, the, the daughters of um, uh, Philip, the evangelist, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then there are the evangelists, who, are, like Paul, who are the ones who are taking the gospel for the first time, and then shepherds here, or pastors uh, is the word that, that's translated, this is one of the few times we find the word pastor in this way in the new testament translated this way but shepherd is is really where the idea comes from if i was if this is being translated in spanish this whole section would make no sense because the word in uh word in uh, spanish is, is uh, uh pastor <laughs> so anyway the uh, the shepherd Isn't that
0: pork al pastor no.
1: <laughs> no. Just, it's just, uh pa- pastor has to do with the idea that it's it's the shepherd, right? It's the it's Yeah, it's, I'm just it's, joking. It's a joke. Okay. It's a joke.
0: So, anyway. <laughs> I, uh, oh my <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted so, your flow. Well, so the
1: shepherds, in other words, the once there is a so evangelists are are those who come to preach the gospel when when there are no believers, right? When like like missionaries, we would say today, maybe we would use that term, mm-hmm. and, and then and then pastors are the ones who shepherd the flock once there is a. You know, to use community. that metaphor, once there's a community and the teachers are the ones who give instruction that are that that is then able to strengthen the body and also equip them in order to go out and, and to teach others. So hmm. that's kind of the way I understand it. Now, you know, again, there are those who say the apostle role has to do with with being a visionary and, you know, the, the, this kind of stuff. And, and that's not the way I understand this. Um, so again, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or any questions.
0: No, I, you know, I, I never had thought. That much about the distinctions. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right. you know, not to right. not to say like I didn't understand that there were distinctions, but sure. I never felt like spent too much time going to go on like, oh, that's what this function is. Right. This is how this function is different than well, that. And and I guess overall, the message,
1: you know, the message is really that that God has given all of these in order to, and, and then here's the real here's the real purpose in order to equip. His people, right, uh, for works of service. So this is the idea that that all of these leaders, at the end of the day, the the purpose is that they that God's people are equipped in order to continue to serve. And, and here's what he says: so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. And that's going back to that idea. So so when we are equipped to do things, it, it's works of service, right. Mm-hmm. It's it's the idea that we're serving one another with the gifts that God has given us. We're doing this not for ourselves, uh, we're, but we're doing this to serve one another. And, and this is what – so the body of Christ may be built up, and this is what brings um, unity. A unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, you know, maturity is this idea, again, that we're not doing these things for, our own, for ourselves, but we're doing this for the good of the, the body as a whole, and the body of Christ is being built up. For 14, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, and then we'll come back see if you have any final questions, but in 14, he continues this image of maturity, but he says, then we will no longer be infants uh, and, and he says, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. So what he's picturing there is, a, is an immature believer uh, or an immature community, we might say, who's able to be easily manipulated into believing whatever. Uh, in other words, the, you know, whichever way the wind blows is, is kind of the mm-hmm. idea, whatever is the current uh, thought, the current process. But what instead he wants is this idea of maturity. Uh, that we're able to understand the full measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, in other words, uh, the, and, and you know, not to give it away, but next <clears throat> next week we'll talk about this idea that the truth of Jesus is what he says. Uh, the last half of this chapter, he talks about, uh, you know, what, what Jesus has taught, what Jesus has shown with his life. Uh, but anyway, that the we become mature, and uh, instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. So that that's kind of the, we were talking earlier about unity on the basis of, of God's word, and that's really it in a nutshell, right? Speaking the truth, but doing it in a loving way, right? Doing it, I don't even know, in a loving way part a part of it, but even with loving intention, you know, for the purpose of, of, of love, uh, out of love, e- even correction, right, right? Um, correction for our children, I always say, has to be done in love, right? It has to be done for, for, for the purpose of maturity. Uh, We will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So again, I think this is just a summary of what Paul does, more of in first Corinthians chapters 12 through 14 with this image of each member of the body uh, supporting the body and, and uh, working together on, uh, you know, for the good of the body. Um, but that's, you know, again, speaking the truth and love is we, we have as a foundation that unity that is on the basis of, of Christ. And, uh, and we have, you know, the same hope, we have the same faith, uh, same baptism. So
0: yeah, I, I, you know, I was thinking back back to this difference between the pastors and teachers. If we sure. look at them as separate yeah. roles, mm-hmm. and then you know, especially in our context today, that we yeah. you know we have, and then looking at verse uh, fourteen, they will no longer be an infant tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of yeah. people in their deceitful scheming. You know, I think as you and I have talked about things that happen in the church or things yeah. that we see these trends of kind of going you know, just the importance of that teaching aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like there there are people that are, I've been around people that are great pastors and preachers. Sure. But maybe not teaching is their gift, but like that those are right. separate roles and that the church needs yeah. teachers. And we also have to have, in the, and that the church needs to be students at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think that's Fair the- point.
1: The willingness, yeah, willingness to the learn. The
0: willingness to learn, yeah. you know, and just, you know, I think that's, and that's kind of, I mean, in some ways, what we're trying to do here is there's some teaching, like, as you and I have conversations about this. Sure. And now, you know, I participate in my local congregation, you know, you're a pastor, yeah. and you're also teaching Sunday school and so forth. Right. But like, that there's a piece of leading, and there's also a piece of, like, yeah. and the church being students. And only, it's only when we're students, and there's teachers and there's students, that, that yeah. you know, talks about this body and being joined together in a way that, yeah. like, is effective,
1: yeah, that's a good point. W- willingness to learn, uh, and, and pastor. I'll say, he's not only leader, but I think pastor also has to do with this idea of care and uh, and this idea of shepherding. You know, pr- even protection in some ways. You know, leading, mm, yeah. leading, leading in the sense of leading well to places of of security, places where you're being fed, places where you're you know receiving what you need. So that's um, you know that's the idea of pastoring. And again. Even there, and you, you and I have talked about, you know, we both listened to the to the Mars Hill p- podcast. We've talked about that some, and uh, oh, yeah. you know, there that idea of uh, of a pastor who's trying to serve themselves. It seems sometimes, or uh, you know, is not as concerned for the good of the flock. Um, you know, that's that's where the danger comes in, I think, and we have to all we have to all be on guard for that. No matter what gift we've been given. Um, no matter what our role is in the church, we all have to be on guard of uh, of that, and we we need to think in terms of we're serving one another and trying to help one another uh, rather than building our own kingdom, if you will, building up ourselves. So
0: yeah, yeah, and I, and I think you know when you think about everyone held together by every supporting ligament. Yeah you know, not to, str- not to stretch the body thing, but, too far. but you know, like, it, if you don't lift weights, or you do anything, and then you try to do something with a ligament, you yeah. have not exercised, it's gonna snap, you know what I mean, yeah. like, it's gonna be like, True. if you've never, and so just this idea that, you know, there is this, you, you have to be strong in this, yeah. because the, there's gonna, the body's gonna move, and it's gonna have to be yeah. held together. Every, and, every,
1: every part is is essential for holding the body together, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah right. that
0: we've, we've mm-hmm. all got to be strong. You know, but I, I, I mean, I know I've already said this, but just that pastors (laughs) and teachers, but just, you know, I was just thinking about that, like teachers, there, there are no teachers without students, you know, we talk about just, you know, for our listeners being in scripture, being engaged with that and being students of it, you know, of the word, and you know, I've been guilty of this. If I read something, you know, just like this, I could read this a hundred times and not go, oh, well, what does this mean? But kind of going, finding those who can teach you, you know. And And so you can be—and not be deceived.
1: And and I do do believe, and uh, (laughs) I I try to say this, and please take this in a non-self-serving way, but I do think there are teachers who have been gifted for that purpose, that God has, through His Spirit, given an extra measure— of the ability to, to teach well. And in other words, to explain scripture in a way that it, that it is, it makes sense and that it, that it is applicable. You know, I think that's, that's a gift. And I think all these pastoring is a gift, you know, the the Mm -hmm. shepherding, it may be a better word, better way to say it might be a way I prefer to say it, but, but this idea, you know, shepherding is something that we are called to do. And, uh, um, you know, there's a gifting for that. There's a gifting for all of these different different roles. Even you know, as we said, serving and and uh, caring for one another. All these things are are roles that we've been we've been called to.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think this is I think this is great. And I think again, Good. as we kind of march through that first part of, of chapter four, that yeah. unity and and the trinitarian nature, the Spirit and yeah. dwelling, bringing us all together and bringing yep. us together for purpose. Yeah, and the, that God's giving us giftedness and people to accomplish that purpose right you know, yeah and that we're part of that purpose as well yep. not just them but also us as well right so that's great
1: it's good glad Ryan. you enjoyed it glad you enjoyed it right
0: yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yes that's so all about <laughs> I know about, you don't think that. So No, it's not. It's not. Well, Brian, thank you so much yeah, for no uh, sharing good, your good wisdom today. Yeah. And uh, we will be back um, here soon as we continue in yeah, Ephesians. Absolutely. See you later, right, Ryan. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are finishing up Chapter 4 of Ephesians. We hope you will join us for that. Thanks again for joining us at the table. We will be back Tuesday.